to Trek Companion. This is episode 328. I am your host, Brian Williams. I am Adam Caesar. I'm Stephen Embry. And today we're going to discuss Star Trek Prodigy episodes, A Moral Star, parts one and two. We're going to do them as a single discussion. A Moral Star, parts one and two, season one, episodes nine and ten. Original release dates, January 27th and February 3rd, 2022. Directed by Ben Hyben, written by Kevin and Dan Hageman, Julia and Shauna Benson, Lisa Schultz Boyd, Neil S. Jerum, Deandra Pendleton Thompson, Chad Quant, and Aaron J. Watke. Dreadnought displays a message from the Diviner offering to free the miners of Tars Lamora if the crew return the Protostar to him. The crew are eager to help the miners, though Dal is hesitant about returning to the prison. Forming a plan together, the Protostar proto-warps to Tars Lamara, and the crew give the Protostar to the Diviner, who departs with Dreadnought and Gwyn after destroying the Tars Lamar power source. Starfleet did this. But they stand for hope and peace. They'd never... Starfleet lit the fire and left us to burn. After their mere arrival, civil war splintered our people. Between those aligned with the Federation and those who would die to preserve our way of life. But history can be rewritten. We can stop first contact. How? By arming a weapon already on board the Protostar. We can wipe out all of Starfleet from existence. What did you put on this ship? All right. Immortal Star Parts 1 and 2, sort of finishing out the first half of Season 1. I And, you know, season the second half of Season 1, episodes 11 through 20, didn't air until almost a year later, right? A long time later. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Uh, if it weren't for the odd vague... My, I, let me rephrase this. It wasn't like those le- episodes 11 through 20 were made a year later they were just released a year later i i wonder I, some of this i think is just the vagaries of legal deals and having to call it all season one for some financial or contractual reason or something like that but really this always felt like the end of season one to me and then episodes 11 through 20 should have been season two but that's not what they're called that's not so we're gonna call them the right thing we're gonna call them what they call them so this will be the end of the middle of season one. If you're going to make us wait a year for the next episode, it's it's nice that this ends on such a clear ending point and doesn't feel like some crazy cliffhanger. And then now you're stuck waiting two years on the next one, <coughs> Strange and Worlds. <coughs> but uh, I think these are pretty fun episodes. We're going to have fun talking about them. Adam, why don't you get us started? This episode pretty much starts off right where the last episode ended you know where they you know they were all in different times and they had to work together it, it, you know it was a cool episode they had to work together but their time was moving differently for them so this i mean this episode just kicks off pretty much right where the last one ended off dreadnought you know that had recreated himself on the protostar you know they killed it but the head displays a message and here we go he the the diviner is um, willing to make a deal i'll let you all go free and you know the the kind of the one-dimensional bad guy that you can't trust. And they go through this. And I, I like the scene early on with Dal. He, you know, he was very hesitant. Um, and, you know, he, another thing he said, you know, we, this can't be one of my half-cocked brains. So that was a 
plans. I mean, so that was a nice scene right early on between him and Gwen in his um, chambers. Um, they were talking about how they were going to do that. And then we have this whole montage where they're, you know, conceiving this plan to go back to this prison to, to free their fellow miners and somehow still keep the protostar. Um, you know, as the audience, we're, we're left out of this plan. We just see them planning it in a montage and um, we see the plan unfold um, pretty much in real time. So it's, I kind of like that too. It's like, you know, you kind of, well, what do they got cooked up? You know, so, you know, they go back there and, you know, things aren't quite right. You know, they got something up their sleeve. So I, I kind of enjoy that writing, making the audience guess um, what's going on, who knows what and who and is what's real and what's not real. I mean, I, I kind of got the gist that, you know, you know, Gwen was going to go aboard that and that was the whole plan. But yeah, I like that. And so we get into the episode and we learn a little bit more about Gwen and her people. Um, we'll get more into that in the, in the next episode um, later on in this talk. But yeah, I, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a good way to kick off the midpoint of season one. Yeah, I, I enjoyed this. I thought they did a, a really good job of uh, it. It feels like the kind of thing you you would like to see for, even though it's not a real season, but what's it, it is sort of like a season, the finale, a two parter where there's there's a you know, and it also harkens back to the beginning of the series. I mean, you know, back to where this all started. And that helps you kind of uh, see how the characters have advanced some, you know, and, and how they've changed and which is also good for the show. And they, you know, they, like, like you said, they pick up where the last one left off. So the, the continuity is good. You know, I mean, things matter in this show, one episode to another, these characters go someplace, they advance and they make decisions that they wouldn't have made five episodes ago and things like that. And so it's a, it, it's a, it's a fun ride. It involves everything. You don't, everybody, you don't know where it's going to go. Um, and, uh, they, um, you know, they, they kind of, they kind of touch on all the things and all the characters also play a role too. It's not like it's all just focused on one or two of them they they're, they're pretty much all involved in some way shape or form with this with this big plan and uh and ultimately we get to a point where yeah it's not like a cliffhanger into the second half but there also is something is changing and they're moving the plot along to a different phase and and then we get to see uh you know the real janeway at the end and that's fun so i, I thought this was i thought this was good i enjoyed him and we're not, that's why the reason we're discussing these is one is because I, I think i would have a very hard time separating them in my brain like what happened exactly when which one and stuff yeah adam this was the first time you've seen these right right so how was this explanation for what this was all about you you find out about the fact that the diviner is in fact from the future and he needed this ship because it i don't i guess they haven't shown you the exact details of what it is that's going to destroy the federation one mm -hmm. but yeah this ship will be used and is I was a little bit surprised. It's kind of a complex storyline. I mean, yeah. maybe not as much. I mean, you know, I'm for 12, I mean, 12 year olds, 10, 12 year olds are really smart today. So maybe they could kind of figure it out, but I was a little surprised because, okay, first you have the diviner, you know, it's pretty much been kind of a one dimensional bad guy throughout the first eight episodes, you know, I, I want the protostar, I'm, you know, I've enslaved people and, you know, that's kind of what we've gotten from him. And then we find out that he's come back in time to save his people and it's Starfleet's fault that his people died moving on into the future, which I, I like because then, you know, going forward when we get into the next, you know, 10 episodes, I, I like to see how that plays out because it's a complex 
way to tell it. It's not just black and white. There's got to be a lot of gray in there. And even though he kind of still turns out to be just the, as bad a person as you think he is because he wants to commit genocide upon the, the Federation to stop his world from being destroyed. And, you know, Gwen was pleading with him, like, talk to Starfleet. You know, you, we can work this out. We don't have to do it this way. So I, I liked how that kind of came around. And I mean, I'd like, it's kind of weird, you know, in 10 episodes, you know, what Steve was saying, you know, this is kind of a bookend to the, the very beginning where all the characters were just their own independent you know, people, they couldn't even talk to each other because the the different languages. I kind of forgot about that going into this episode. And then we get into this episode where they are a fine tuned machine that they trust each other. They got each other's backs. And, you know, when you do that, you can, you can defeat any villain. So it's, it's complex yet. It's, it's simple, simple storytelling. They even put on uh, Starfleet uniforms, right? That are apparently like specific to this ship, I guess. But I think they look cool. They look good. Yeah. A little funny to me uh, when Dreadnought overrides Janeway. So we get like evil hologram Janeway, <laughs> the way she looks. All right. I mean, it, it's a kid's show, so that it's fine. It's fine. Um, it's probably more than fine. It's probably perfect for kids. But it is kind of funny. It's like evil Janeway. I'm glad they didn't give her a mustache, though, <laughs> or a goatee. That would have been worse, I think. I wish they had her like drinking a whiskey instead of coffee or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cigar. Uh, I know this is a silly, silly, silly thing to complain about, but that was a tiny, tiny thing that bothered me. Just the, ever, the tiniest bit. I felt like it was probably going one step too far for the science of it. Are, are, are they saying, because we know that the proto-core that enables the proto-star is a baby star, right? It's like... Correct. Yeah, man. So we took that and we stuck it inside of Murph? Or no? Right. Yes, in, yes inside mm-hmm. of Murph. And then Murph is just inside of Zero's suit. Wouldn't, like, the mass of... The, I mean, I realize this is probably mm-hmm. just as applicable as this when it's sitting in the middle, middle of the ship, but it just seems like the mass there would be so absurd <laughs> that they wouldn't be able to move. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, just, I don't know the gravity, but definitely yeah, the mass. It make I don't know. Sense, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It kind of doesn't doesn't. I, I I struggle to find the techno babble that explains that. You know, when I was watching it and um, um the diviner went down there and they oh they removed the protostar. I kind of thought they were you know I wasn't really paying close enough Protocore. attention. I thought that protocol. I thought they just. I thought they removed the whole thing because, like you, Brian, I'm like, wouldn't that have to be encased in something yeah. pretty, pretty safe for it not to? I guess that. Yeah, you're it? right. I mean, that must have been it before. Like, uh, there's some kind of magic, technical thing that's that's allowed it to sit there, mm-hmm. but maybe not if they can just grab it and stick it inside Murph. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That was. I mean, it, like I said, it's it's kid show, so I mean, it makes it's kind of the Murph is kind of the comic relief, one of the comic reliefs. Mm-hmm. Be like a Scooby Doo ate the engine of the mystery machine or something. I, <laughs> I like that you brought that up. The uh, enabling the miners to communicate with one another—that's a really big deal. And they—they they, they take the time to have like a, a few lines between two of them. Like I've been able to talk to you for years. I mean, it's played—it's played, it's played mm-hmm. for laughs a little bit, but it—it it is kind of crazy. It's more two of them in love, kind of. And they kind of kind of got the gist of that. They actually yeah, really loved. They were expressing uh, their love. But it made me think about like bigger picture of Star Trek, you know, like 
the communicator <laughs> communicator enables Star Trek just as much, if not more so, than transporters. Right? Right, right. Because all yeah. you know, infinite diversity and infinite combinations, we can't have the Federation with a hundred or two hundred member worlds and stuff without the ability for us all to just easily communicate with one another. It was a nice little micro moment reminding me of kind of the big picture of what Star Trek really is. And that, maybe that's not what they were going for, but it's what it felt like. And I, I enjoyed that bit. I, I like that. And I too had forgotten that that's kind of how the season opens. So it was a satisfying return. The zero scenes were... Um... Zero gets crazy dark, man. <laughs> She's up. like, you will not hurt my friends. Mm -hmm. I will destroy you. <laughs> I mean, she knows what it means to show someone herself like that. I mean, and, you know, the plot point here going for, you know, with Gwen, you know, all the things that she was told by her father, what Starfleet had said, you know, she forgets just for just just getting a glimpse off the reflection of um of the of the combat, you know, so that's just the power and the extent. And like I said, I haven't watched. I mean, I saw the, the little um, thumbnail pictures so I can see that Janeway is, you know, interrogating the diviner at some point or talking to him. Um, that was that was on the thumbnail for the next couple episodes. So, like I said, I'm in. I'm, I'm in. You know, it's a, you know, it's an interesting way to kind of cap things off. They, it, it, like I said, it's like there's a resolution to the beginning of this story. The the prisoner stuff that where they come from and where they came through. So, I mean. I've probably said it before, but it's a nice resolution and in going into where we're going to next. Well, like Steve said, you know, the show goes somewhere, the characters go somewhere. When you think about this, the second half of season one, they're in a different place. And by the time we get to the end of the first, the actual, the true end of the first season, the way it sets up season two, there's no way episode 21 is going to be anything like episode 10 or episode 20. And I, I do enjoy that about this about this show. It evolves quickly. But in a, in a satisfying way. You know, I remember the first watch through, we're going to get more details about, you know, exactly what this thing is on the ship that is going to potentially destroy Starfleet vessels. We're going to get more information about the actual, you know, the Diviner's actual history, future history, whatever. I don't remember if I thought it here or if I thought it in the later episodes when we get more details. But I do remember feeling like this reaction seems like a little bit of a stretch, just like Gwen immediately says, you need to talk to Starfleet instead of attacking them. You know, it seems like there are much simpler, more effective solutions, but I don't know, maybe I'll feel differently watching it this time. But I, I did wonder this time, uh, like, Steve, Steve, do you think Gwen was seriously interested or considering... Because there's the moment when she's like, you know, to heck with you, you're killing all of my buddies. And he says, I'll tell you what is that, you know, because Janeway fights him or whatever. And he says, I'll actually, I'll tell you the truth. And then she seems pretty interested. And I don't, I don't did, was she faking it just so he, she could give the information? I don't know. I think I kind of interpreted that as the, that's so at her core is to, you know, want real answers and want you know, maybe, maybe even affection or some kind to believe that she matters to, I, I think that that's a very strong thing, you know, even when someone's become disillusioned with their parent or whatever the situation is, it's still such an innate thing to try to want an answer that can dispel the notion that I'm second to something else to my parent or something. I, I think that's kind of where I 
I think she was going with it, but I don't know. Yeah, I kind of thought it was a natural progression as a, you know, a, a daughter and father, you know, of course, the you know, just up until just recently, she was in a good spot with her father and she learned all these things and the way she treated her. So, yeah, I think it's it, it was natural for me as well. And I think by that time, I mean, when she stopped communicating, they were all safe on that ship by that time. They were, yeah, because she was supposed to lower the shields, but she didn't because she wanted to find out what her father knew. Kind of another continuation from the most recent episode, but I liked later on in there where Rock saves the day instead of uh, Jankum. You know, it, you know, again, they're paying attention to the continuity and the big changes that have happened in character. And that was cool. I felt both episodes really actually felt longer than the 22 minutes, especially the first, I watched the first episode. They put a, it was almost kind of like I'm watching a lower decks is sometimes you watch a lower decks and it's like, how do they get all of this into one, you know, 22 mm-hmm. minutes. And I, mm-hmm. I felt that way, especially with these last two episodes, how much they got in there. And it was very well organized. It flowed well. It didn't seem like they, I didn't seem overwhelmed or like um, they were skipping out on anything. So it was, they were both very well written and edited together. How do we feel about the real Janeway and the setup? Uh, I remember being pretty, pretty excited to see real Janeway, which is funny because it's still animated, <laughs> you know, but it, right. but it felt like, Oh, it's, it's, it's real Janeway. <laughs> the one thing that did disappoint me, um, cause I love the protostar. I think it's one of the coolest design ships especially in the new era and what the limited amount that I got to see of Janeway's ship kind of looked silly. The bridge looked silly and the ship kind of looks silly, but I mean, you only, I only saw it for a few minutes. So I might, I'm, that opinion might change in a couple of weeks. Right. You know, she's an admiral. I mean, she'd probably just pick up uh, that one parked over there, you know, let's take it where are we going to go. You know, it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that ship is going to be very significant in the next 10 episodes. But yeah, I think it is a big deal when you talk about the continuing adventures of a, major character from you know in Trek canon and and so that that is the difference here with the real Janeway versus just what we've seen so far where does this take place in the timeline I be, I don't know when this was established but I believe the creators of the show said it's it's very close to when Lower Decks is it's like early 2380s maybe okay. a little bit after Lower yeah, Decks slightly after Lower Decks right yeah so before the all the stuff that happens with Picard and Mars and all that kind of stuff yeah, because that's like 2400-ish, right, 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 right at 2400, 2401. But then, yeah, but the Mars stuff, well, and well, oh, more the specifically Mars, the Romulan Mars. evacuation stuff happens not too long in the future. And in fact, well, so like five that's, years we'll that's, yeah. that's like 23, early, early 2380s. So it's probably very close to this. Yeah. 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 I enjoyed that A-team montage at the head. <laughs> All they're really doing is sticking the protocore in Murph and getting themselves some jetpacky stuff. That seemed like a stretch. Like, how did they know that that was gonna? They were gonna be. They didn't know they were gonna be in and lacking gravity or something. So, they well, I think they alluded them. to that, but they wanted to be able to get to the miners quickly. Okay. All right. Yeah, All right. I think I'll that's what it. I think that's what yeah. I caught because I I think you said, oh, we didn't know they were gonna take it. At least we had the jetpacks. It's just it was a happy coincidence. Let's put it that way. At least they were smart enough this time. They just assumed that the diviner was going to double or triple or quadruple across them. Right. <laughs> Pretty fun to watch. When they originally aired this, you gave us the air dates, Steve. Was this like normal? Like it was a week apart, or did they air them yeah, both in the same? They were, they yeah, they were a week apart. Mm-hmm. Dang. Oh well, a week is okay. Three months, eh? Hmm. Two years, no. 
Not so much. I watched it literally instantaneously. <laughs> what are these episodes about? Well, if I look at these first 10 episodes as a whole, I think, you know, this these two episodes bring that all together. They bring this, these all 10, all 10 of these episodes together come in these last two. I mean, by the end of this episode, I, you really, you really feel like they're a family now, like all the crews that we've come to love in Star Trek. By the end of this episode, you really feel, I really feel that, that family and that unity and that they're all together. Whereas, you know, the beginning, obviously, like I said, they're all individuals, they're prisoners and they all have their agendas and things that they want to do and they come together and yeah i think it's definitely this feeling of a culmination of efforts over the course of time like you know the the work they put in through and all that they've been through to gel and get through this has paid off and and they can they can work together and and solve big problems and you know and and it's um and again that that works very well in an episode that moves on to another chapter kind of because we get to see where they transition and uh and uh, what's next you know each character i mean i'll use dal as an example you know in this episode eight episodes he was free willing and doing things by the seat of his pants you know he didn't really kind of have a plan he kind of just seemed like a teenager by by the time we get to episode nine where he's he's not only second guessing going back to this prison because you know a fear of being trapped there forever but he's thinking about his crew is like, do I, you know, all these people will be trapped all that, you know, and we won't get anywhere. And so it's, a, you see the maturity just in that, in that moment where he was and where he is now. And he is actually becoming an, a, a leader, a responsible leader. All right, let's do six degrees for moral star. We're just going to have one question today. Adam. Yes. <laughs> Kate Mulgrew reprises her role as the real Janeway. When was the last time she did that in live action? That would have been Insurrection? No. Steve? Um, I'll remind you that I told you before we started, I'm asking a difficult question today. Hmm. Was it a nemesis? No. What would your second guess be, knowing that that is not correct? You might you might argue with me and say that nemesis is it, but no. What would your next guess be? Uh, if I told you I was asking you a hard question. <laughs> 2004. <laughs> Listeners, uh, uh, Steve's face. <laughs> I, I'm, not, I'm not getting it. Sorry. Oh, you're thinking. Oh, the uh, was it in Star Trek Experience? The you uh, got it. Yeah, yes. that thing. Borg Invasion 4D. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So that's canon. Go. Then, so we're we're establishing that as canon. Well. Well, if you look at the way I asked my question, it doesn't have to be canon. Sure. But okay. she last made a lot of action appearance. Yep. But yep, I don't yep. think there's any necessarily anything in there that really violates the anything. Right. Yeah. Well, there was something about the doctor. He was did they give him a position at Starfleet Medical or something? I don't know. Maybe that maybe it's esoteric. Maybe that's a violation or something. But for the most part, eh. Hmm. Cool. So uh how do we feel about this first season that is only supposedly half a season? I mean, I, Steve, this is the second time you've seen it. It's the second time I've watched it. Adam, it's your mm-hmm. first time. 
I know, Steve, you said you you were enjoying it more this time. I, I would say that yeah. too. I, overall, I, I definitely enjoyed it more this time. And I think I liked it the first time, but. Uh, yeah, I, I think, um, I think sometimes when you have kind of a basic plot out of the way, you can appreciate some of the aesthetics more. And like I mentioned earlier in the season, watching it with my daughter is something special, but, um, yeah, I, but I really think they did a good job. I mean, th this notion that's kind of out there of this being a good introduction to Star Trek for some some I think it, I think it's a reasonable reasonable idea. I mean, they, the, a lot of the basic tenets are there of Star Trek, and it's accessible and uh, it references a lot of different uh, elements and canon. So, yeah, it's 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 unfortunate that it's in this limbo stage that it's in. Yeah. All right. So. We are going to be back in two weeks to discuss the next two episodes of Prodigy. You do not have to wait a year. <laughs> now, after we get through the next 10 episodes, I might not be able to say that. <laughs> that might be a year. Who knows? We don't know. You know, as far as when we'll be able to discuss episodes 21 through 40. But we will be discussing 11 through 20 uh, for the next few weeks. So, thank you so much for spending a half an hour with us. You can send us an email, trekcompanion at gmail.com, and our Twitter handle is at trekcompanion. Until next time, take it easy. Bye, guys. See ya. Stefan, I passed it.